0: Our friendships are so precious to us. And I feel like I've also learned in recent history that our, you know, I know my own attachment style comes out in my friendships. Mm. Sometimes I think it just really drives home to me how much we undervalue friendships in our culture.
1: On this episode of the Multi Amory Podcast, we're talking about friendship breakups. We've done a ton of episodes over the years about romantic relationship breakups or how relationships transition into something different than they previously were. But what happens when you and a friend part ways? Today, we're going to be discussing some of the reasons why friendships end, some statistics on friendship breakups, and then we're going to talk about how to get over those, some things you can apply, and is it possible to reconcile after a friendship breakup? And is that even something that you should want? A lot of things to get into with this. And as always, on this show, we realize that relationships are just relationships, whether we call them friendships or romantic relationships or whatever. So actually in prepping this and talking about this together, we just saw so many parallels with other types of relationships, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's professional acquaintances or romantic relationships. So I think there's a lot of value here though, in looking at some of the research and some of the things people have written on this subject.
2: I wanted to talk about this topic because this happened to me recently. I had friends that I was quite close to, um, that sort of like dropped me pretty suddenly without, without much explanation or, Um, any interest in making amends. And it was really painful for a while. Um, And I kind of went through the multiple stages of grief. It felt like, you know, denial and hoping that eventually, you know, it would come, I would be able to come back and reconcile with them. And finally, after a while, I just got to the acceptance stage and realized that it was pretty much done. And I think the only chance for reconciliation is going to happen if it's on their end because my multiple times of reaching out has yielded no good results. So that is what it is. Um, I am surprised by this breakup. Like I didn't really think that anything that happened merited the response that ended up occurring. So that's interesting Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And I just wanted to talk about it further, especially with the two of you, because you have a lot of life experience, and I'm fascinated to know if anything like this has happened in either of your lives.
0: Yeah, I was sitting and thinking about it, and I think in my adult life, I haven't necessarily had a friendship breakup. I've had the, like, drifting away, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't talk so much anymore, or maybe you were, like, weird one time, so I don't talk to you as much, but it wasn't necessarily like a close relationship, right? Like, I think the last time I had a close relationship breakup was when I was a teenager.
1: Like, that was hmm. the last
0: time. And that was, like, a lot of different life factors involved where my best friend, who had been my best friend since elementary school, you know, in middle school, like, her dad died. And I think, like, that really spun her out. And she started hanging out with a bad crowd. And at one Hmm. point, she had to be institutionalized. Like, and, you know, like, it was bad. And so that but that feels like a little different than um, what you're talking about. I mean, she and I definitely had a lot of conflict, but no, I don't think I've had that experience in my adult life. I've talked to a lot of people who have though. So I know it seems like it's a pretty common occurrence.
1: Yeah. I feel like again, for me, most of mine have been that kind of, you know, maybe we just find that we're not getting along as well anymore and we kind of drift apart. Maybe there's some attempts at, connection that just aren't received and then it kind of drifts away but that the one that comes to mind in terms of like a friend breakup breakup was a a friend who you know we'd been friends for several years uh since middle school um through college and uh one day he just stopped ever speaking to me and we didn't live in the same state or anything so it wasn't like he would ignore me in the hall or anything like that but just like stopped responding to any messages, any calls, any emails, anything. And, and I actually think that in this case, it was my fault, um, at least a little bit, at least mostly, um, that basically what, what I'm pretty sure precipitated it was a conversation we had about religion. And this was during a time for me in college, really moving away from some of the Christian ideas that I was raised with in terms of, you know, things like substitutional atonement of like, there's a price to be paid for our sins, and that Jesus dying had to be that. And I was starting to, to question those and think about how that that didn't make sense to me, and was really into that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, for him, in college is where he became sort of like born again Catholic,
0: and so he was moving in this very things, opposite right.
1: direction.
0: Yeah, and we had not this... really melted yeah. together so well. No,
1: right, right, and we had this conversation at his house once when i was visiting him you know during during college like senior year of college and had what to me was like a lively intellectual debate and i think to him was a deeply upsetting really offensive conversation and i didn't realize that that till till afterward but so and i've since then like many years later kind of like tried to see if maybe i could reach out but have haven't been able to find his contact information but i guess part of me holds Mm -hmm. out hope that I know I've chilled a little bit on those opinions since then, and I would hope that maybe he has too, and maybe there could be some hope for that. But, you know, this has also now been, what, 17 years or something like that, so oh who knows?
2: Oh, yeah. wow, that's rough.
1: Yeah. That is rough, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that does tend to happen and be a reason why people drift apart or it cataclysmically have big changes of heart about one another is because if they're going through something really emotional in terms of getting more deeply ingrained into their values or into a, a newer value system, like it, it sounds like your friend did perhaps, and that's just fundamentally sort of opposed to what you believe or, or different enough that, It may change the way that they feel about you. I know my friend Tina, when when I was delving into polyamory, as you know, Mm. she she was very, very against it. And she was getting married at the time and felt that it was fundamentally opposed to what her value system lined up with in terms of wanting to be monogamous and married and all of those things. So that kept us apart and not nearly as close as we had been for a number of years but we did reconcile that relationship and that's great but it doesn't always happen
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit about just some statistics you know what what is normal what what have we seen in terms of friendships from a research point of view and so this comes from a couple different studies uh that were both had uh, gerald mollenhorst uh who's a dutch sociologist uh, as well as a couple other researchers, Beat Volker and Henk Flop, uh, fun names to say. But uh, basically, in a couple different studies, what they found um, looking at people over time is that over a seven-year period, people's social circle, so both their close friends as well as kind of their larger social network, Uh, And this, to keep in mind, this is, we're talking more like early 2000s, so this is less of a social network in the way we think of it now in an online way, but more of an actual social network of people that you're connected to. Uh, But they found that over that period, the size of one's friend group and, and your sort of larger social network tends to stay about the same, tends to stay consistent, but the people who are in that does change. And that in their research, at least, over the course of seven years, they found that only about 30% of the close friendships were still the same people as they were seven years prior.
0: Well, haven't we found in other research, I forget which, that with a circle of friendship, there tends to be a little bit of a one-in-one-out?
1: Yeah, mm. we, yes, we did talk about that before. I forget yes. what episode that was on. But yeah, that does seem to... To line up with these findings here of that kind of your friendship group's going to stay the same, but it might cycle out and not all those people are going to stay in that close circle of friends.
2: It just reminds me of that cultural narrative of the seven year itch, which I realize is not exactly the same thing, but this right. idea that is kind of put into us that, oh, things are going to change or you're going to want like newness and uh, novelty after a period mm-hmm. of seven years, potentially. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. Or just we become different people as we age and we want different people in our social circle.
0: Well, I always heard, and maybe this was based on the, these findings, We I may have found something for that related, you know, the last time that we did a episode on friendship, but what I always heard was if you have a friendship that's lasted longer than six or seven years, they're probably going to stick around for much Mm. longer. Mm. So I guess maybe the thinking is if they get past that cycling out um, on that first seven years, then maybe they'll be around for another seven years possibly.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I I do. It does seem like with friendships at least, and this is just anecdotal. This is not based on any research that I've found, but that we do tend to with friends if that relationship just feels less valuable or less comfortable or, or we're less into it, we do kind of let that drift away in a way that we don't always do with relationships, especially if we're mm-hmm. married or something like that. And so I, I feel like that I could see that applying with a friendship where it's like, yeah, if we've without any sort of social pressure keeping us together, if we've still stayed friends, yeah, there's probably something here that's going to last longer. So that's, that's an interesting theory. Let's get into a little bit about why these might end. So, so first, just based off these couple studies I was mentioning for them, it was basically the one in one out rule and that they tended to change with social context. So if you change jobs, you move locations, you change, you know, you graduate from school or you go into school that those are big factors in kind of who's around you. And that's a big part of determining friendships. But I know we found some other things also.
0: Yeah. So I I think the first one that maybe has been the most relevant to everybody's lives the past few years is COVID. So first of all, I mean, do the two of you have an experience of like either losing a friend over the course of the pandemic or drifting apart from a friend or specifically losing a friend because of differences in how you viewed the pandemic or the reality or lack of reality to the pandemic?
2: Generally, the people that I've been around have all kind of been similar in terms of my level of, I think wanting to be masked or being vaccinated things around those. Honestly, when I wrote this question, I thought more about you and your, and some of your family members Mm -hmm. And thinking a little bit along those lines of, you know, maybe especially in families that have deep divides on this issue. I know that some of my family members that I talk to less regularly, I've heard of them having deep divides in terms of this issue and one person really wanting to be vaccinated and wanting to. Uh, stay away from others and social distance and things like that versus people who are just, yeah, whatever, we're going to do anything that we want.
0: Yeah, well, so I will say as far as my family is concerned that I actually take it as a point of pride that despite the deep divides have not just cut anybody off, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing. As far as friendships are concerned, yeah, I think in my circle of friends, it's I mean, I think right away when the pandemic hit, there was definitely that sort of closing up the hatches and oh my God, like my energy really needs to be devoted to like surviving physically, mentally, emotionally right now, helping the people closest to me survive as well. And so I definitely lost some friendships, not necessarily because there was a falling out, but I think just because there was that like shrinking, mm-hmm. right? And there's been research to support that, that people just sort of shrunk their support networks or that happened to them, you know, unwillingly, right? right? And so I think that definitely happened. And then I, I think that even outside of very clear divides of things like you think the pandemic is fake, and I think it's real, or you think the vaccine is fake, or whatever, and I think it's real, that there's still a lot of in between, I've noticed with a lot of folks of just, oh, well, we're both on the same side, as far as thinking the pandemic is real, but you're okay to go to a picnic and I'm not,
2: Yeah, right? Mm -hmm.
0: I don't, I think that's too risky. And for some people, I think it's easier to hold the, okay, well, that's fine. I can manage my own risk level versus somebody else's risk level. And for other people, I think it gets a lot more connected to morality, right? Like I cannot respect a friend who has made the choice to go to a picnic Mm. during these times when I wouldn't, right? So, So I do think that it's not even just about the most extreme black and white divide. But I think there's a lot of gradations in between where people have run into these issues with their friends. And
1: I've seen some of those also smooth out a little bit over time too, where there have been some divides like that. Where It's like, we mostly agree, but we've handled this a little differently and that pushed us apart. But I have seen a lot of people who now it's like, okay, yeah, now we're, we're all kind of friends again. And it's like, yeah, that that was a thing and we got through it. And maybe we still disagree about how we handled it, but it's it's in the past and you know we've moved on. So at, at least that's been my sense of it versus those ones that have been friends parting ways over vastly different because it feels mm-hmm. like those vastly different divides have just gotten wider rather that's than true. rather than narrowing.
0: Yeah. So actually, there's this survey that was conducted by one poll research that found that one in seven people ended friendships specifically over the COVID-19 vaccine stance, a difference in that Mm. stance, which Mm -hmm. one in seven is that's significant. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Um, But it's not just COVID necessarily. So there's also some findings from this uh, American Perspective Survey that uh, was published in May of 2021. Looking at what are the primary factors causing friendship decline in the U.S., and so the pandemic was one of them, they also suggested that between the factors of people marrying later and also being more geographically mobile, so as in fewer and fewer people are just living in the town they grew up in, their entire lives Mm -hmm. or just moving once and then staying there the rest of their lives. Like a lot of people are becoming more mobile, not, and this is not just talking about the whole digital nomad trend, but I think also the expectation of, oh, if a good job pops up halfway across the country, you know, chances are, (laughs)
2: yeah,
0: if you're able to leave, across you want to leave.
1: Even several hours away is going to change your social circle dramatically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: So yeah, so they think that those two factors marrying later and then being more mobile Uh, is associated with increasing rates of self-reported social isolation and feelings of loneliness, which totally Mm. makes sense, right? Uh, They mentioned that parents are spending twice as much time with their children compared to previous generations, which means that there's less time for other relationships, including Mm. their friendships. I thought that was
2: fascinating. Mm. That is. It's like, is that because we associate, like, this era of helicopter parents now Oh, well, think about parents in
0: the 80s. I was I was a cusp child. So I Mm. think I was right on the cusp between when parenting style was much more hands off into the helicopter style. I think I was like a last holdover of the more hands off parenting type combined with being raised by a single mom who didn't have yeah, a Yeah, I mean of time you anyway. would go
2: off totally. You would go off like into the street for a while and play and do stuff for well, go for me, over it was in your the woods house. Okay, it's... yeah. We didn't have <laughs> such things in Arizona, but yes. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. but no that makes sense. I think that that parenting style is is uh, out of fashion to say the least.
2: Yeah, kids they are also, really parents are really involved in their kids' lives now. So. Yes. They're expected to be very involved.
0: They also mentioned that Americans are working longer hours and also traveling more for work, which Mm. can also come at the cost of, again, having that time and energy to be able to maintain and develop friendships outside of your workplace. So, yeah, I think a lot of reasons for why it's both hard to make friends, keep friends, but easy to lose friends, even if you're doing all the right things in your relationships, I think. Mm.
2: So now we're going to talk about a couple other reasons why friendships end in general, not just some of the things that Dedeker discussed we looked at a study called Why Friendships End in Evolutionary Examination. This was a 2021 study, and they used various methods such as in-depth interviews, open-ended questionnaires, and also online Google Forms. And through all of those different ways of interviewing people and looking at why friendships end and talking to people about it, they came up with four different categories, which included selfishness, romantic involvement, lack of frequent interaction, and perceptions of friends and family. So in terms of selfishness, that means more like they felt as though a friendship perhaps is one-sided. Maybe somebody came to their friend and felt as though they were only ever talking about their problems, their issues. This friend really had to pick up the slack in a lot of different ways. Things like that. For sure. Yeah. There's not a lot of trust there. They're taking advantage of them. They're not honest or supportive, things like that. Yeah, I think I've definitely had friends that feel a little bit more like it's not I don't want to say a burden, but sometimes like you you really have to have to steal yourself and and get ready for the interaction with them. Yeah, still, yeah. You feel yeah. like you've, you've been in situations I've like that. There.
0: Sometimes I've been worried that I've been that friend to some people. Oh, but... I
2: definitely have. I know I've been that friend yeah. to the two of you before. So yeah, I, I think I mean, we've all no, been that friend know. to each other, but but I don't, There's yeah, more, I, I like to think there's more of a give and take in this relationship. Definitely. Definitely. Right. I agree. Yeah. In terms of the romantic involvement section that, that amounted to one person being interested in the other eventually over time. And the first person saying, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in having a romantic relationship with you. That's interesting. I, we've talked about this a lot and yes, friendships can end in that way. I think friendships can still stay friends if you decide like, Hey, no, I'm, I'm not interested in in you in a romantic way, but it makes Mm -hmm. sense perhaps that somebody would be so crushed by that person saying no to them that they decide to end the friendship.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say that the thing of, Oh, my friend is into me and now I feel bad about rejecting them or, or like now I feel weird. And so I'm going to kind of pull away. And I can see that that happened from both sides really.
0: But I think it can come back. I think you can recover. Maybe not everyone recovers from that interaction because that's awkward and can be painful for sure. Mm -hmm. But I've definitely seen, I think in, definitely in my lifetime (laughs) i've (laughs) done (laughs) such (laughs) a thing with people on both sides so i I do think that's a possibility
2: yeah yeah you can i don't know get over that person or just decide yeah i can i still want this person in my life in some capacity even if it's not what i initially imagined it to be Mm -hmm. and in terms of the lack of frequent interaction, we we talked about that already, that just things tend to fade over time if you move to a different state or you just simply kind of lose interest in the same thing that was holding your friendship together, stuff along those lines. Or you start playing WoW or you
0: know, oh, a I, number of things. So many friends. Oh. So many friends that I lost.
2: Ugh. Yeah. Right. Yeah, stuff like that. And then finally, the fr- the perception of friends and family. This is an interesting one. again, I think if you are you know when when Jason and I started becoming polyamorous and having this huge perception of, wow, okay, you're you're doing something that I don't approve of. I don't know if I want to be involved with you, perhaps things like that, that's really challenging. Or on the other side, if, you know, a family member doesn't approve of your friend, perhaps you decide, well, it's not worth it to stay friends with this person. Sure. You know, if that person is inconsistent or even if they, you know, become addicted to substances, things along those lines, they decide, yeah, this person isn't good for me anymore. Then that can be a reason why friendships end as well. I was curious because we talk so much about polyamory and non-monogamy on this show, and we've talked a lot about, you know, polycules and how if two people break up, but they're still members of the same polycule. I think similarly, if two friends break up and they're members of the same friend group, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with having to potentially see that person at, I don't know, any uh, big holiday gathering or, you know, party or something along those lines, what do you do in those scenarios?
0: I think that's really hard because I think in a friend group, same in a polycule or a community or whatever, it can be really easy for there to be triangulation. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, oh, this person suddenly stopped talking to me and like responding to my texts, but they're going to be at this party on Saturday where all my other friends are going to be. So let me talk to this other friend who's friends with them and be like, hey, do you know what's going on? And this other friend talks to them like, oh, did you know that they they, they asked me about what was going Like, I think that it's a situation where it could be very easy to fall into like really weird, messed up communication dynamics. So I, I feel like everyone involved would have to be really dedicated to not doing that, like really dedicated yeah. to direct communication, which some people can totally handle. and Some people can totally not.
1: Another big difference between the way that a friend breakup typically goes down. So I'm saying not including the ones where it's, you know, we've had a horrible blow up fight where it's like, I never want to see you again kind of thing, but more of the type of friendship breakup we've talked about where it's like, maybe we've drifted apart or maybe I'm just kind of sick of spending my time with this person or, or whatever it is that compared to a romantic relationship, I feel like we culturally are even less likely to actually talk about that transition with a friend than we are Mm. with someone that we're dating, you know, even though ghosting's maybe become more popular in dating too, but it's still, there's like, I think culturally more normal to have a conversation of, I think we shouldn't do this anymore. Or like, I don't, I don't want to have this type of relationship anymore. How, you know, how in depth you go into talking about, okay, how do we exist socially together maybe still doesn't happen, but th- at least there's some clarity. Whereas like you were saying, Dedeker, with that friend group thing of if it's kind of drifting apart, it's that weird like, uh, are we friends still? Are we not? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's and true. And I can see in some ways maybe that makes it easier to be in the social group if you're able to also be like, well, whatever. I'm not going to worry about it. And then it's fine. There, w- There didn't have to be a breakup that everyone needs to know about. But on the other hand, it can lead you in that or leave you in that situation of what's going on. I don't know. Did I do something wrong? Did they right. do something like what's, what, what's happening? So I think, yeah, it's I think those, that's one of the challenges.
2: Those big blowups that happen. Those are the ones that are really scary in terms of, you know, getting into a scenario where you're seeing multiple friends at once. And then that one that you had a big falling out with happens to be there as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's challenging and friends it. feeling like they need to choose sides and stuff totally. like that. Totally, it's often like a the breakup.
2: Yeah, Right. yeah,
1: yeah. As far as how to how to deal with it, I mean, the the truth is, and sort of the multi-amory stance is actually having conversations and communicating mm. more explicitly, not only with that person themselves, but also with the other people about what you hope for, what your expectations are, things like that. Is a great thing but that is really hard to do and especially if you're in a friend group that's not accustomed to that that isn't is you know they're not on board with also like yeah let's talk explicitly about this i'm just thinking of i've done this sometimes as the other person you know like as the friend in the friend group of kind of making it clear to you know whichever side of the the friendship breakup or the romantic breakup of hey look i'm friends with both of you I'm going to keep being friends with both of you. So please don't expect me to Hmm. take your side or theirs. And that, you know, it depends on the situation. Of course, sometimes it's been like, nope, you're my friend, not that other person. (laughs) I'm kind of glad they're gone. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it can go both ways, but I I do at least try to sometimes express that of, look, I'm not going to choose between you. So don't feel like you're pressured to have that happen or be worried about that happening to you. So that's at least a little bit that I could do from the outside, but it is a hard thing to get more people on board with that kind of conversation. Definitely. Now we're going to go on to talking about some things that you can be aware of and things to think about to help get over a friendship breakup and process that as well as some ways that you could reconcile with a friend. But first, we're going to take a quick break. To talk about some ways that you can support this show, if this is content that you value, that you think that this is worthwhile, and you want more people to have access to this, taking a moment to listen to our advertisers and check out our Patreon is a great way to support this show and help enable us to keep this content coming to everyone out there every week for free. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1
2: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dw for were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: And we're back and we're going to be diving into if you're going through a friendship breakup. How do you get over that shit? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you supposed to do? Now, M, you yeah. introduced us to a really cool word, which is disenfranchised grief. Or a really cool term is what I mean. And basically, it's disenfranchised grief refers to this phenomenon where there's grief that's not necessarily acknowledged as legitimate by other people. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. So Mm -hmm. losing a pet is one Mm -hmm. that I've run into with some people where, yes, we can all acknowledge that it's sad and it's hard, but sometimes like if you're sad for longer than a few days, or you're in mourning for a long time over losing an animal, you know, I think there is this social perception of, of, well, come on, it was just an animal or you can get another cat. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's just not the way that our hearts work. Mm -mm. And on the same vein, I think non-monogamous people sometimes run into this of, oh, you're Mm. going through a breakup. Well, you have another partner, so you'll probably be fine. Or mm-hmm. you're even actively dating, like so it's okay. you'll you'll get over it. So it is this idea of it's judged by society as too small or insignificant. Or maybe from the outside someone says, "Ooh, that relationship just doesn't seem like it was that close or is too distant. And so we don't make the same space for it for it or give it the same weight as we would if someone's romantic partner broke up with them.
1: I think another great example of this goes back to what we talked about earlier is friend breakups or breakup breakups or separation from family over religious or political Mm. disagreement. Because I do think there's that thing of, you know, I cut out this family member because of, you know, their political beliefs right now or their judgment of my gender identity or sexual identity or something like that. And kind of within your social group, there can be that sense of like, yeah, fuck that person. You're better off without them. Mm. But for you, it's like, this was still a family member or maybe a close mm-hmm. friend for a long time mm-hmm. or something. And so there is grief that often is like not respected. The fact that there is also grief to process. And then it's not just like, yeah, yeah, you're better off, whatever.
2: Right. It's confusion yeah. as well, especially in situations like that. I think I know that I'm not particularly close with my brother anymore for a variety of reasons. And I, I, as much as I know it's the right thing to do for me, I also feel worried that, well, you know, this is a a way for me to connect to that side of my family that I don't know very well. And so I'm confused about, should I, should I really try to be more, interactive with him in ways or is it really okay for me to just say no this isn't okay this isn't a thing that i should be doing that's healthy for me i and that's it's challenging there's just so many different factors in terms of friends and family should we stay with them should we not just because well they connected us to a part of ourselves that we don't get to connect to otherwise you know or is it really okay to say no this isn't healthy for me
0: yeah, I, I think the confusion, you really hit the nail on the head there because I think you can be having that experience of, I'm, I know this is the right thing, and also it's still very sad Yeah, with all yeah. kinds of relationships. Also, it's grief. And so I think that if you're in this position, the first thing is to create space around that for you to view your pain as legitimate, right? You know, you may not get the same sympathy or people offering support in the same way that they would if they learned that you just went through a breakup with a romantic partner and expecting that. And so that means that you kind of need to do double duty of reminding yourself that this is legitimate pain, right? That this isn't grief to be minimized or to just be cast by the wayside, like that this is, this is serious, regardless of the way that the friendship ended, Mm -hmm. that it's still legitimate to have this grief.
2: Additionally, one should practice self-care, which we talk about a lot on this show, but in terms of having a big friend breakup, you should practice self-care in a similar way that you might to having a romantic breakup. And that includes things like trying to avoid rumination, which boy, oh boy, I did all over the place. What could I have done differently? If I hadn't done this thing, would the outcome have been different If I can say I'm sorry or try to reconcile in a certain way, would they maybe want to come back? Things like that. It it just it doesn't necessarily lead anywhere, depending on whether or not that person is someone who would be interested in reconciliation. And I found in terms of what I went through, that wasn't going to happen. So it just ruminating about it wasn't a productive thing for me to be doing. Also, you know, self-soothing tactic is exercise. I'm a big proponent of that for sure. Go out do do something to get yourself outside of yourself. Think about something else, whether that's taking a walk, you know, it, going and hitting the gym, something along those lines. go exercise in a way that that makes you feel good about yourself. Also talk to someone. Wow, I talk to my therapist so much about this particular situation. I'm sure she was sick of it, but that's kind of what they're there for, so I really appreciated her insight and and ultimately yeah. it did allow me to get to that step of, you know, I am I feel like I, I'm moving past this and past this pain in a way, just because I was able to kind of go through those stages of grief, grief with her. You can also maybe try a new friend group. That's an interesting thing to do. And and to me, that means maybe putting yourself in a situation like taking a class or something that would make you visit and talk to and, you know, discover new exciting things that you may not have done otherwise and find people that are interested in things that you might be interested in as well.
1: Yeah. I like that idea of rather than saying, I'm going to go replace this friend. I need to find some yeah. <laughs> new close friend, for example, assuming they were a close friend, but more just expand your social network a little bit in some way, right? Whether that's remotely by joining some new, I don't know, some new discord server that has some shared interest for you, or it's like you said, I'm like going to a class or seeing if your city has like adult like casual sports leagues or something Mm. I know i did like a uh kickball league several years ago that was a fun way to meet some new people it's just you know you play kickball once a week and then you go out for drinks afterwards it's pretty chill not not super competitive at least my team wasn't we were really bad uh but (laughs) we mostly lost (laughs) sorry to hear that uh, Mm -hmm. you know but it was still fun to go and, and hang out afterward and you know get some physical activity too
2: There was a blog that we looked up called ZenCare.co that discussed some examples and exercises for closure. And the first one is to write a letter to your ex-friend without the intention of actually sending it. So, you know, writing a letter, I think, in a lot of situations is really good and cathartic. I did that with my father, for example. I also, my therapist had me write a pros and cons list talking about whether or not I should stay in contact with my brother. And and all of those things are really good. And it helps you to get your thoughts kind of in front of you on the page and not just sitting around, going around and around in your mind. And honestly, when I wrote a letter to my ex-friend and I did send it, that, and I got nothing back that was like, okay, this is the closure. This is the, the last thing that I need to be doing in terms of trying to reach out to this person.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I I think that there's that risk, right? If you do actually send that kind of letter or try to send the text to open things up. And I think that as long as you are okay with that, acknowledge the fact that there's a risk, right? And also maybe focus on when you are writing that letter, whether you send it or not. But I often encourage people to focus on like, what are the things that you need to say for your closure and your healing that don't rely on getting anything back from the other person necessarily? Right. Yep. You know, so, so that it's not like, Oh, I can't heal unless they answered these five questions that I have for them or whatever, because you do take that risk that they may, they may just not be able to meet you.
2: Yeah. Ideally it should level. I feel like it should be for you and not, not Mm -hmm. with the intention of necessarily getting anything back from them. If you can do it with that in mind,
1: I think that's, that's not a bad idea to, to write a letter. This is also an area where getting support from a friend that you trust or from a therapist or a counselor or coach can be really helpful. I know I've definitely talked through this with several people about kind of, you know, write write the thing, let's look at it or maybe talk about it. I don't necessarily have to read it, but tell me a little bit about it and then just have someone to help ask you those questions of Mm. if they respond angrily to this, will you still feel like you got the closure from sending this? If they don't respond at all, will you still feel like you got that closure? Uh, You know, is there a certain answer that you're hoping to get from them? Is there a way you could do this that doesn't require that answer? You know, certain things like that to just kind of get you thinking through it rather than just uh you know impulsively writing a letter and sending it which which is not what this is about right this is more for yourself ideally or not ideally but most likely to not ever send it and then really think about whether it's something to send and maybe check with some people about that and with that let's move into can we reconcile is this a thing that we should try to do and that is not something that we can give uh, you know a blanket definitive answer. To. answer. <laughs> yeah, You're right. There's a lot of factors. It depends on a lot of things. Um, seeking that closure for yourself, uh, or you know, some some kind of closure to feel like okay, I'm I've gotten right with myself. I've done some of that work myself. Is is really key first. And so what we're going to do here is go through this uh it's a step-by-step guide to reconciliation called how to mend a broken friendship from a site called friendlamps.com which is friend fun. lamps like your friend yeah, lamps.
0: Your friend in- friend the lamps
1: your friend the lamp yeah like your friend is a lamp like i love yeah. lamp you know okay i, like I love that.
2: lamp <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly cool. so this is written credited to the whole editorial team there. Uh, but it's, it's a cool guide, and we, so we've taken the steps from that, but then we'll kind of discuss them and, and look at how we think those might apply. So step one is uh, kind of like we're talking about a little bit, which is to analyze the extent of the damage. And this is hard to do, but basically it's trying to get to the, the heart of kind of what is the level of intensity of this, right? Is this, is this irreparable damage that we're just so fundamentally different or there's a fundamental disregard for a core belief of the other person that there's just no coming back from this? If so, then, you know, probably stop at step one, right? Go back to the stuff we talked about of processing this friend breakup and, and that's it. But part of this can also be that, you know, digging deep and looking at is there some part of this where I was at fault, right? Make some notes, write some things for yourself, trying to work through that, trying to see, can I can I try to see this from their perspective? And anytime you're trying to see something from someone else else's perspective, realize that's impossible to ever truly do. So, mm. you know, you're kind of making your best guess. It's more of a mental exercise than actually being able to understand what they thought or really see it from their point of view. But at least try to look at that and think about that and see if that might soften some things for you that make it feel like this reconciliation could be possible.
0: So step two is to do some work to understand why you became friends in the first place. And this can be a really interesting exercise. So it involves going back to the beginning, right? Like, how did we meet? why was this relationship working at all? Was it just a friendship of circumstance or was it a really weird codependent relationship? Was this person here at a time when I was like really sad and just like really needed to be distracted going out and having fun and now it's not working so much anymore? Or, you know, like I think there can be a lot of different reasons for why a friendship does or doesn't work. So I think going back to those initial reasons, seeing like, oh, is this reason still true? Is this something that I want to reignite in this friendship? Or have I discovered different things about this relationship that I would rather focus on? Right. You know, and so you can analyze your own state of mind and your own perspective as you're thinking about all of these events and experiences that happened around the time that you first became friends. And and I think... Having some perspective, having some distance, maybe it's been several years that can help put, I think, a different filter on the way that you feel about that time in the friendship. And that can also help, I think, give you more clues about, is this a friendship that I want to preserve or not?
1: Yeah, I like that.
2: The next step is to examine why you want to be friends with this person again. This is Mm -hmm. a really interesting one. And I think, you know, it forces you to get to the core reasons why this is still important to you after all this time. And you can look to the future, question why is it that you want to reconnect with this person? What are the foundational aspects that are really the core reasons why you're interested in being friends with them? And and really examine that because, again, I think so many of us over time change and those core foundational reasons as to why you were friends with them in the first place may not be there anymore. It may not be a thing that's really super important to you anymore. And yeah, like like Dedeker said so often we become friends because, Hey, they're there and it's fun and it's easy and it works and it, it may just not be the case as you grow and as you change anymore so really examine that and if that is the case then maybe move forward
1: and try to reconcile i like this step too because it you know combines the previous two steps but it also leaves some room for maybe i was friends with this person for one reason before like there was something that brought us together so when i thought about why we became friends in the first place it was one thing and i realized that thing kind of doesn't exist for us anymore. Maybe that's why the friendship ended. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's just part of it. But maybe there's a different reason why I want to be friends now. Maybe I've kind of realized, you know, there was this thing that I I never really based this friendship around, but it's something I really appreciate about this person or that I find really interesting or that I feel like really, you know, helps me be a better person or whatever it is Hmm. that you might realize, huh, what if there's a different kind of foundation for this friendship that I could, you know, try uh, attempt to build moving forward, which then brings us to step four, which is preparing to rebuild a stronger bridge, AKA Uh. that first call. Whoa. And, uh, Ah. so yeah, I know. Right. So it's, so thinking about all those other things, it's then gathering that courage to make that first contact, whether that's a call or it's an email or a real handwritten letter or uh, approaching them at a friend gathering or, or something, right. Whatever that is, is, you know, working up the courage. I think part of that too, is then letting go of a particular outcome. So, you know, this, this article talks about hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. I, I think maybe more of a, letting go of some attachment to a particular outcome to realize, you know, even if I've determined that this friendship could have value for me, it might not for them. And, and that that's okay. That's not a reflection of me as a person. It's not even a reflection of them as a person, you know, in terms of our intrinsic value or whether other people might want to be friends with us, but that just might not be a fit for them, or they might have some other pain going on that you're not aware of or any number of other things that you can't know. You probably will never know. So kind of preparing yourself for that of realizing I have no control over their side of it. And I shouldn't try to control it. Cause if I do that, that's, you know, potentially not as respecting their consent as... or just being coercive yeah, or whatever. And I know it's like, we want, you know, we want what we want, but kind of understanding, but also they have an equal part in this choice and they might not choose the same thing that I would. Totally. Uh, and if this is a phone call, having some notes handy, To help you remember, you know, these are the key things I wanted to say to help keep you on track, maybe so you don't go off on too much of a tangent. Uh, Or if it is an email or a letter, maybe that is something that you could review with someone to kind of really get to, you know, what's the heart of this, but also not make it too overblown to make sure that you're approaching it from a place of not requiring a certain kind of response or trying to manipulate them into a certain kind of response. All of that, having someone to help reflect on that with you can be really helpful.
2: Finally, the last step is to, if you actually get a response from the person saying, yes, they want to talk to you or meet you or something along those lines, this last step is the approaching of a friend turned stranger. So when you do this, keep the initial conversation short Be ready to have a second conversation immediately whenever it is that you or they may want to have that second conversation. Keep those notes that Jace talked about in the previous step handy, again, so that you're not going off on a tangent, but that you can kind of be direct and succinct. And then follow this three-part sequence, which is recollect, reminisce, and gain agreement along with a next meeting time. So that first part is, you know, telling them, discussing with them, I'm sorry that we had a falling out. Briefly touch on the reason, but try to point out this is in the past. We can move past this potentially. Don't skim over it, but maybe don't dwell on it too terribly long. And also allow them to air their frustration. If they really want to discuss with you, hey these are the things that I'm not okay with that occurred. Let that happen. I think especially with us, like we love communication and this is a really good time to communicate about that. One of the hardest things for me was feeling as though the response that I got in terms of this friendship breakup, the response that I got to what occurred felt really out of place and and just sort of wacky to me. Why, Mm. why did this friendship end over that and this kind of misunderstanding? And all of a sudden it became a, well, now we're just not talking anymore and I'm not going to respond to anything, any, you know, type of making amends or reaching out or any of those things. And being left in the dark for me was really, really hard. And so I think if you have the opportunity to reach out to someone and they're going to talk to you about it, to me, that would have felt much better than just completely being left in the dark about what is it that actually went on here.
0: So I have in the works an episode about regret. And Mm. so this Mm. will be maybe a very tiny little preview about that. But basically this is based on the work of Daniel Pink who researched regrets across the world, like huge survey, and uh, found that there's four main categories of what people have regrets about. And I'm only going to tell you about one. You'll have to listen to this future episode to learn okay. about the other 3 But one <laughs> have to one be of,
2: involved in the future episode to learn yes, about the other three, yes. but yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of the top four regrets globally uh, is what he calls regrets of connection, which mm. usually is... I wish that I had connected. I wish I'd reached out. You know, mm-hmm. like I wish right. that I'd just taken the time, whether it was ooh, a friend I haven't heard from in a while just to say, hey, how are you? Or a situation like this someone that I didn't reconcile with or a family member that I fell out with that often people do later on regret. Now, of course, put that in the context of your own boundaries and what will keep you relatively safe or safe enough. You know, if you've been reaching out and someone keeps rejecting you, keeps rejecting you, keeps rejecting you, you know, at a certain point you've, you've reached out <laughs> and, yeah. and maybe you won't feel as much regret later on. But But that's just something to think about is that often people do regret just not reaching out at all, if that's the case. And so if you're on the fence about this, you know, you might consider it.
2: The last two steps are to reminisce about the old days. I like that idea. And then finally, gain agreement, ask this person, hey, do you want to be friends again? Is that something that you're interested in? And respect whatever it is that they tell you. Because if you get a yes, then you can discuss, okay, let's figure out next steps here. Are we going to have another meeting time? Do we want to talk about this further? you know, don't necessarily push for a yes right away. But I think the other part of this is if they say no, then you really need to respect that. Because again, this is about consent. This is about understanding this person may not be interested in reconciling with you. And as shitty as that is, you know, that's their right.
1: I think that it's it's worth realizing that no might also look like, let me think about it. Or, Mm. you know, I I just I'm not sure that to kind of it's not it's not a a clear no, because you might get a clear no, go to hell. But (sighs) if it is that to to realize that that's not a let me think about it. okay let's let's hang out next week. But kind of a okay maybe they do need to think about it. And maybe for them, that's the only way they're comfortable with saying no. Or maybe it really is. They just need to think about it because maybe they hadn't done the work that you've done now. To work on, okay, yeah, let me reconcile and come to grips with, you know, how this has changed, what I might have done, and all that. Maybe they do actually need some time for that. But in either case, like Emily said, to, to not push for a yes or for some shape of this, if if they're not also enthusiastic about that.
2: Did we learn something today?
0: Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I feel like what I learned time and time again is our friendships are so precious. To us. And I feel like I've also learned in recent history that our, you know, I know my own attachment style comes out in my friendships mm. sometimes. I think it just really mm. drives home to me how much we undervalue friendships in our culture, you know, well, both from just how important they are to how painful a friendship ending can be.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's another testament to how much I value the two of you because like this is such a solid friendship that with the two of you in my life. And I'm not, it's not unpredictable. And those friends mm. that I've had over the years, including this one that just ended, that was super unpredictable. It mm. made me feel pretty unsafe. And I think if I've sure. learned anything from this situation that I went through, it's that I really appreciate people in my life who are safe and mm. who I know mm they're going to be steady and steadfast in what it is that they're doing with me and with themselves. And I don't ever have to worry about that. So right. thanks again for being so great in that way. Oh, among many thank others. You. Yeah. <laughs> thank you oh, for also, you also being pretty, pretty darn yeah.
1: steady
0: and safe. Cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. definitely. Yeah. No, it's, it is making me think a lot about um, the the relationships of mine, my friendships that have lasted longer than that seven years we talked about before. Mm, of, totally, huh, yeah. Interesting, yeah. That, that like when this I look one. at some of those, <laughs> like this one, yeah, like mm-hmm. these ones, but also others, and thinking about how, yeah, they've they've definitely changed over time, and we've had times of being really close, like living together as roommates with friends to not being as in touch, to getting back in touch. And our lives have changed. We've had very different jobs. They've had kids. We've been in different romantic relationships during that time and how it's changed, but there's a certain amount of steadiness there versus mm-hmm. other relationships, which have also been really valuable to me, but have kind of common. And it's like, we didn't have a breakup necessarily, but we're not uh, really close friends anymore either. And that there's also value there and that that's, that's also okay. And it's not like, Oh, it's a failure because it ended. And again, that goes back to how we think about, right. (laughs) It goes back to thinking about how we talk about relationships of like, Oh, it's a failure if it ended. And it's like, well, is it though? I mean, there's also a lot of great stuff that could have come out of that. So I don't know. It's just getting me thinking about all those things and all my different relationships in my life.
2: Yeah. I love that. Well, we want to hear from you. Our question this week for our Instagram stories is, have you ever ended a friendship? Did you ever reconcile or was it done for good? And if you want to discuss this episode more, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is in the episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can post in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com Multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balbanetta. This episode was researched by M. Mays. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on Multiamory.com.
1: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.